Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. What's first in our heart? And this verse says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Seek to understand what is seek. It means to aim or strive after. First, in order of time or sequence, before I do anything else, first. Hey, what is up, City Life? My name's Jerome. Good to see you today. And I think God has something new, but yet really ancient and old for us. We don't outgrow the basics. Well, it's February. Why are we still in the first series? Well, we're still in the first series because if we don't get what's first right, we for sure won't get the second steps, third steps. And one degree off eventually leads us to very far off. So we want to get our hearts really connected with the Lord first. Time with him. Secondly, have our talents with him. Our third would be our treasure. But really, it's always first, second, third, fourth, fifth Jesus in the center of our lives. And you know what happens? It happens so subtly. God, take my life. I'm going to build on you and we're going to do this your way. But he starts to become kind of a la carte God. I'll only take a piece of you when it feels right. Jesus is the center of our lives, everything. Jesus, the center of our lives, central to every fabric of our being. Before we move on in today's service, um, I have a book here called uh, Dream With Me by John Perkins. Race, love, and the struggle we must win. This book will be reading for our month into our vision event on February 27th or 21st. Somebody already was like, no, it's not the 20th. It's 21st at 7 p.m. Registration only because it's going to be an intimate time where we share vulnerably our, our dreams. But if we don't dream right with the right heart, it really doesn't matter. So we got to start in our heart before we even think about having the right head knowledge and then how do our hands engage and ultimately live a life focused on Jesus. Um, we're going to be reading this. Anybody want this copy? Uh, that's one of the volunteers in the room. Anybody that doesn't have it? Okay, boom, that'll be uh, yours first. And, um, and so this will be yours right after service. And uh, that'll, be, that'll be right there. That'd be phenomenal. All right, we're going to about to in a minute watch an eight-minute video. Minute, minute, okay. The reason being, because we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 12 will be the text we're teaching out of today. And 1 Corinthians 12 is a family, a team, and a body. Paul uses a metaphor of all of us connected together. And I think you'll relate um, when you hear about the, the... First Corinthian letter overview in the video we're going to watch by the Bible Project that Paul's writing them to address some issues in this primarily Gentile church. 
So they don't know the Jewish custom. They're n- they've now been engrafted into this family. They're taking that freedom for granted. They're like, man, Jesus set me free. I can do anything I want. We all need to be corrected. And so Paul's writing this letter, 1 Corinthians, to, to help teach them and lead them, but ultimately to have them look at Jesus in every area of their life. So even when we read the scripture, sometimes we have a tendency to do this. Well, the scripture says this, so here's a principle that I'm gonna apply to my life and we start to build it on a bunch of principles as opposed to building it on the gospel. The Bible is all one big story about Jesus. God created us with him. We fell away from him. He pursued us. He's the hero of the story. Jesus being the point of everything and that through Jesus's death, burial and resurrection, we can be made brand new and even be in the family of God. This is really big, really big. Because otherwise we'll build our lives on a whole bunch of principles, secondary doctrines, third essential, but, but, the, but we'll make those seem as essentials. But the gospel is central to everything. The good news of who Jesus is, what it means for all people. And so entering this time today, I just want to share the good news. The good news is that there's really bad news. You and me are sinners apart from God's forgiveness and mercy and grace. And we need to be made brand new. But here's the catch. We will never be good enough to be forgiven in the midst of a holy, perfect God. It never can happen. What do I got to do? How do I get? No, we can't. And that's where the good news steps in. In steps Jesus to live the life I couldn't and die the death I should have. And when I receive him, I'm made brand new. If I just believe in his finished work on the cross, so no matter where you're at and at home, you can be made brand new in the family of God instantly and just say, Jesus, I believe in you. Forgive me of my sins. I receive your grace. And I thank you that in you, I am brand new. You're my Lord and you're my savior. In Jesus' name, amen. And then now we start to become in this family. We're in the church, ecclesia, a gathering of people called out once, set apart, never about a building. But every time we gather, this is really important to know, every time we gather, we're saying that we're in a new family and we're showing that this new kingdom is real. And we might have just thought we were coming to play church. No, we are representing the new family on earth. And we're not a family that draws like circles, like you can't come in, you can't come in, you can't come in. Yep, no, no. Reason we say you belong here because Jesus said, anybody, anybody who comes to me, I'll know, I will not cast them out. You, you, you realize how quick this happens? How many roadblocks we create from people to meet Jesus? It's, it's very interesting that, that we have more roadblocks to meet Jesus than Jesus had more roadblocks to meet him. It's, it's fascinating to me. Yeah, but do they believe it this way? Or but do they worship this way? Or but, 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 and we got a whole bunch of buts. It happens so quick. Okay, I digress. Let's move on. And let's now enter the text as believers, let's say, or somebody might be watching it, still curious, but this letter is written to believers. This is really important. Sometimes when we preach the Bible, we forget to tell people, this is a family conversation. 
And, and the, the unique thing is that the world gets to watch this family conversation. And today I pray that we're inspired to be in the family. I'm gonna ask you to join the family in the city life, to be a part of the dream team. And then secondly, I'm gonna ask you to commit to some type of rhythm because we believe it's so important of what we're doing here. Let's check this video out. Uh, overview of Corinthians. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, written to a church community that Paul knew really well. Corinth was a major port city in the ancient world and had lots of temples to Greek and Roman gods. It was a big economic center. And so Paul strategically came here as a missionary. He spent a year and a half there getting to know people, talking to them about Jesus. And a whole bunch of people became followers of Jesus and formed a church community. You can read about all of this in Acts chapter 18. So after a while, Paul moved on to start churches in other cities, and he started getting reports that things were not going well at all back at the church in Corinth. It was plagued by all kinds of problems, and that's why he wrote this letter. It's broken up into five main parts along with a final greeting. And these five sections correspond to five main problems that Paul is addressing. And so the letter reads like a collection of short essays on different topics, but there are these core ideas that unite all of the pieces together. So here's what he does in each section. He describes the problem, but then he always responds to that problem with some part of the story of the gospel, which is the good news about Jesus. And he shows how they're actually not living out what they say they believe. And so this letter is all about learning to think about every area of life through the lens of the gospel. So let's dive in and see how he does it. In chapters one through four, the problem is that there are these divisions in the church. There are some other teachers who had come through town since Paul left, a guy named Apollos and then Peter, and people had picked their favorite teacher and then became groupies around that leader and then started to talk bad and disrespect people who favored another leader or teacher. And so Paul, his response to this is kind of sarcastic and sharp. He says, you have to be kidding me, right? The church is not a popularity contest. The church is a community of people who are centered around Jesus. Its leaders and its teachers are simply servants of Jesus. So while you might prefer one leader more than another, it's not worth dividing over and certainly not speaking poorly about each other. The center of the church is Jesus and the good news about who he is and what he's done. In chapters 5 through 7, Paul addresses some problems related to sex. There were a number of people sleeping around in the church. One guy with his stepmother, a number of other people still worshiping at the local temples to greet gods and sleeping with the prostitutes who worked there. Not only that, but there were people in the church who were saying that this was all just fine. They said, hey, we're free in Christ. God's grace is bottomless, right? It's fine. Paul says it's not fine. And with the gospel in hand, he shows just how wrong-headed this kind of thinking is. He says, remember, first of all, Jesus died for your sins, including the ruin of broken relationships that's caused by sexual misconduct. And so if you're a Christian, sexual integrity is one of the main ways that we respond to Jesus's love and grace. Paul also reminds them that just as Jesus was physically raised from the dead, so our bodies will be raised from the dead, which means this. If your body is being redeemed by Jesus now and in the future, then what you do with your body matters. It matters a lot. And it's not yours to do whatever you want with. Paul's being super clear. Being a follower of Jesus involves no compromise when it comes to sexual integrity. 
In chapters 8 through 10, the issue is about food, but not just food preferences, like do you like or dislike a certain food. The issue the Corinthians were divided over is meat that came from animals sacrificed in the local temples to Greek and Roman gods. And there was a split between the Jewish and non-Jewish Christians about how to respond to this issue. And once again, Paul appeals to some core ideas from the gospel. He says, our allegiance, first and foremost, is to Jesus as Lord, not to any other gods. And so if you're in a situation where there's meat that's been dedicated to another god, and there are people around who might watch you and conclude, oh, look, hey, Christians worship Jesus, and they can worship other gods too. Paul says, if that's the scenario, don't eat the meat. Your loyalty is to Jesus, and you should love those people more than yourself and not mislead them. But Paul quickly qualifies this and says, listen, as Christians, we believe God is the creator of all things, including that animal. And the temple idols, we believe, are just pieces of wood and stone. So if there's no one around who's going to misunderstand your actions and you're hungry, eat up. You're free as a new human in Christ to follow your conscience in these kind of debatable matters. So what makes it okay in one situation to eat, but not in the other? The core principle is love. Love will deny itself and look out for the well-being of other people. And love, God's love, is at the core of the gospel. It's what Jesus did when he died for us. And so Paul says it's what Christians should do for other people. In chapters 11 through 14, Paul moves on and addresses problems in their weekly worship gathering. There were some people who were having really powerful spiritual experiences in the gathering. And so they would start praying out loud in unknown languages. There were other people who might start sharing a teaching or a word from God, and then someone would get up and interrupt them because they wanted to share. And it all was really chaotic, and it was distracting people, especially visitors, from hearing the gospel. So in these chapters, Paul helps them think, first of all, about the purpose of this gathering to help them see what kind of behaviors are appropriate. He says the gathering is a place where God's spirit should be working through everybody and it should happen in a unified way. So he develops this cool metaphor about the church as a human body. It's one, but it has all these different parts. And each part serves a unique and important role. So he goes on to name a whole bunch of things that the spirit does through all these different people, all for the building up of the church. That's a key phrase in these chapters. And Paul concludes that the highest value in the gathering should be a concept central to the gospel, God's love. And love is a key word in these chapters too. Love will compel each person in the gathering to use their role to serve and seek the well-being of others. So Paul applies all this to the Corinthians' problems. Some people think the purpose of the gathering is to have intense spiritual experiences or to get a chance to speak their mind. And Paul says, listen, I'm a big fan of powerful experiences of prayer, but if it distracts other people or freaks them out, I should stop it because I'm loving myself more than I'm loving those people. The gathering around Jesus should be orderly so everybody can learn and sing and worship and hear God speaking to them. The last problem Paul addresses is the issue of Jesus' resurrection and the future hope of Jesus' followers. There were some people in the church who were saying that the idea of resurrection is ridiculous and doesn't really matter to being a Christian. And Paul reacts to this big time. He begins by saying that the resurrection is an indispensable part of the gospel. We believe in it because of the hundreds of eyewitnesses that saw Jesus alive in a physical body 
after being publicly executed by the Romans. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, Paul says, then his death was meaningless. We are all still lost in our sin and selfishness. We should just stop being Christians. Paul then shows in detail how the resurrection was Jesus' victory over death and evil, how it's a source of life and power for us now and the present, and how it's a promise of future hope for the whole world. It's because of the resurrection that we have a reason to be unified around Jesus. It's the reason we have motivation for sexual integrity. It's the source of power for loving other people more than ourselves. And ultimately, it's our hope for victory over death. And so, Paul concludes, we do believe Jesus was raised from the dead, which means this. The gospel is not just moral advice or a recipe for private spirituality. It's an announcement about Jesus that opens up a whole new reality. And that's what 1 Corinthians is all about, seeing every part of life through the lens of that gospel. Amen to that. Helps teach us because when we read the scriptures, sometimes we're like, what am I reading? What's it about? How does it make sense? I think overviews are really important because it helps us then now dive into 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to be in that section. I think it was the fourth section. Uh, there's, there's conflict about the gathering. What's going on at the gathering? What is the gathering? Well, the gathering is Jesus' church. It's his family. It's his people, but it is not going to solve every single thing that's going on in our lives. And we come in the gathering sometimes frustrated or wanting everyone to be like us and experience Jesus the same way as opposed to being connected. So today is talented and connected. We are better together. We're talented, every one of us. But we have to be also connected we're better together. It's how Jesus intended it to be. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, picking it up in verse 3. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So if someone rejects Jesus, ultimately they are rejecting God. And that, that's a big thing because we don't have to play judge. And then we're able to connect where we say, okay, is Jesus Lord? And that can only happen by the Holy Spirit. And what in this text you'll get is a triune picture. So you're going to get a picture of connection that God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Spirit, different yet one. This is key to know, because once we get to the body, we're going to realize that we're different, yet one as well. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. In this little section too, this is the only time this is referenced in the Bible. So anytime that there's something that's an emphasis in the Bible, it normally references it multiple times. This is about spiritual people, spiritual gifts, spiritual uh, things we should welcome and do. They're awesome. But the fact that it's not referenced a billion times then also tells us something to say, okay, what's going on in this church in Corinth? 
in what's going on in Lansing today. So it's both and. We always want to say either or. Well, look, this Bible says this, 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 this. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then when we get into the text a little bit more, we're starting to see, okay, what is the main point here? We're going to get to it. The main point is unity, not uniformity. It's diversity. It's Jesus and his body and to let the spirit flow for sure. But it's not that the spirit is like, look, look at this. No, no, no. God, the Father, Jesus Christ, the Son, and the Spirit, they all flow together. But if the body's all about Jesus, then everything we do is all about Jesus. And I got this is an epiphany for some of us. It is spiritual today to be behind a camera. It's spiritual today to, to, to get the connect cards ready. It is. And, and then it's also spiritual to do all these amazing spiritual things that are going on here, right? Um, to one is given the wisdom through the Spirit, to another a message of uh, knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another performing of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all these, distributing to each person, this is key, as he wills. You and me, we're not coming to God like he's a genie. I need you to do this. I need you to do this. The spirit is good enough to figure out what this church needs. The spirit is good enough to figure out what you need. The spirit is good enough to handle all of this as he wills. Otherwise, we think that I somehow always got to be, I got to try to discover all this. Well, yes, we should seek it, but the spirit will be the one to, to, to make sure it seals the deal. The spirit will bring it. So then the next question is, how do you fan to flame what God put inside of you? How do we do that? So let's go into some of the text. It continues in 12, for just as the body is one and has many parts and all the parts of that body, though are many are one body, so also is Christ pause, many parts. Maybe you've never been told that your life matters and that you are talented and you're gifted and you're special and your part is so significant and God made it that way. And you say, okay, well, how do I understand what is my part in the body? I don't, that's part of dating yourself, letting other people talk to you. Hey, what do you notice that I'm good at? What am I not good at? What season am I in? And sometimes we can't figure this out, so we either get so frustrated, I don't know where my part fits in. But I think the first part is to remember, I'm talented. My part matters. I matter. I'm significant. I really matter. I belong in Christ. But we are also, my part is one with him centered in Jesus. Verse 13 continues, for we were baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. This shows up a lot of times in the Bible, that when people come in Christ, no matter their race, no matter their class, and no matter any their ethnicity and their cultural background, that even their gender, that they're all equal. And so here we are in America, Black History Month. I love how ESPN put it. They said, Black History Always. Why? Because we should be excited to learn about history that's been underrepresented, period. 
being married to um, a, a Mexican, first-generation Mexican-American, first-generation from Mexico. I'm learning more things about um, Mexico than I ever would have learned just by being married to Crystal. And as people, we always discount and discredit so quick because we get uncomfortable. Well, you're different than me or this, that. Are we overcompensating? And no, it's called healthy, accurately being able to get aware so we can acknowledge, so we can be accountable. But in the body of Christ, we got to understand we have the highest example of this because we're one. No matter what our background is, we're one. This is why anybody in the name of Jesus that ever creates barriers racially, culturally, or economically, it's just, that is just horrible. It's a poor representation of who Jesus is. So let's not just focus on the poor representations. Let's focus on being a good representation. So let's get to being a healthy body. We are talented and we're gonna choose today to be connected. We're gonna be connected because we are part of one body. We've been given one spirit to drink. We are all one race, the human race. And we should never push anybody down. So if we have to then uh, uh, calibrate, deconstruct, construct, let's do it by all means. Our feelings shouldn't get hurt so quick. All right. So here we then move forward and we find ourselves in verse 14. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, we're going to get personal because I am not the hand. I don't belong to the body. It is not for that reason, any less a part of the body. I don't belong. It's highlighted right here. Why? Because this is the lie that we will all face for the rest of our lives. I don't belong. I'm not like them. I don't fit in. I don't fit in. I don't belong. You know what? Pastor in this church for the last six years, I found that this phrase knows no color. This phrase doesn't matter how much money you have. This phrase doesn't matter how cool you dress. Every single tear I've heard utter those words. And then also, that's the same lie that shows up on my doorstep. I don't belong. I don't belong. I don't belong. Because here's the thing. Do you love Jerome the preacher or do you really love Jerome? I, I don't know. It's okay. Do you even love Jerome the preacher? I, maybe you don't even like him. Who knows? But I'm not here to please people. I'm here to be connected to people. I'm here to please God, hopefully. But, but there, we all want to be connected, right? So we all have that lie. I don't belong. I don't fit in. And huh, it's so, it's, 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 just, it's, just, it's just the biggest lie. And then, and then finally, when we find people that are like us, we think that we're ready to double down. Like, this is my future. I feel like that's what it was like when I met some Christian hip hop community, the CHH. And I, I went down to some of the conferences and, uh, and got to look around. I was like, wow, okay, there's a whole bunch of people like me. I knew I wasn't that weird. There's a lot of people like me. I was like, wow. But did I need to be validated to know that my role was still important in the body I was in? Now, in my insecurities, it's good to know there's somebody else like us, but maybe you're so different. Maybe your role is unlike anybody else in city life. Maybe you've been called for such a time as this that we need you. You don't need more of you. You just need you to be you. And when you are you and you say, I belong, and I'm called to be what I'm in the body here, right here, right now, we then realize, oh, we're unlocking the full potential to be talented and connected. Because, hey, I'm talented. I know my role matters. 
I don't know the sound like these cats do, but they dive into the frequencies. I don't know the graphics like the people do setting this up. They dive into, I don't sure as heck know the cameras, you know, and I don't, I'm not, with kids ministry, there was a, a crying um, thing in WandaVision we watched last night. I, I told Chris, I said, man, I do not miss the babies. Uh, I'm so grateful the twins are six. I said, I could barely watch the show anymore because I just not, I'm wired for crying babies. Some of you, you hear a crying baby and you got this nursing spirit and you're like, oh, come here, come here, baby. I love you. I love you. And then you look, but here's where it gets crazy. When you start to say this, why isn't everybody love the babies? You know, wait, I must not belong here if everyone doesn't love the babies. Why aren't we putting a high priority on, on tech? I thought everyone should love tech. Why aren't we putting a high priority on certain aspects of the spirit? How do we create room to not be either or, but both and? That's the real question, City Life. First, we gotta be talented. We know that. God's given us talents. The giftings he's given us, nobody can take away. You need to hear that loud and clear. The giftings God gave you, nobody can take away. But he'll use the body like sandpaper. And he'll use the body like joints and ligaments to get us all close and together. Um, yeah, I don't belong. I don't need you. These are the lies. <laughs> goes on in verse 20, says the same thing. As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head cannot say to the, the feet, I don't need you. And when we get to a place, okay, we're gonna close. I think we're gonna go somewhere good in just a few moments where um, we're gonna be invited to, to kind of re-up our hearts to, to say yes, to yes to God. We don't have to, we get to. But eventually, I don't belong or why isn't everybody like me? It's, we start to double down and we say this lie. I don't need you then. I sure as heck don't need you. I don't need you then. I don't need this. Look, I don't need all of, <laughs> all of this either in my flesh, but I realize God set it up that I do need it. I need you to make me more complete so that we show what this family looks like, this body looks like to the world. All of us connected together. We're not gonna be just separate. We move forward and we find ourselves uh, in the text continued on the contrary. Those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable and those parts of the body that we should consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor and our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, uh, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable so that there would be, here's the, here's the reason, no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffers with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And can you just hear Paul correcting us today? Now you are the body of Christ 
and individual talented members of it. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, leading, various kinds of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all do miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, but desire the greater gifts and I will show you an even better way. The commentaries I read this week, what is the greater gifts? What is the better way? All gifts being used to unify us in Jesus Christ. No gifts are above Jesus. No gifts are under somebody else. We are equal in importance, different in authority, different in our function, but we are all being shaped and molded together so that we would show what this world needs to see is a picture of unity, friends. And unity does not happen when we isolate ourselves alone. It can't. It can't. Worship team, you guys would come up and um, here, here's a question I want to ask us as we close. Look, don't feel pressure to be a part of what God is doing. Don't feel pressure to be in his body, but feel an invitation that you don't have to discount who you are. Hear an invitation that God doesn't want you alone. He wants you connected. Hear an invitation. You might not ever understand a different part of the body, but you're going to recognize that we have the same ligaments, the same blood, the same veins. We have the same heart. We have the same head, which is Jesus flowing through us. And I'm, but, but if we just get all the fingers together, wow, that's a horror movie. If we just get all the hands together, wow, that's a horror movie. If we just get heads everywhere together, it starts to feel awkward. We got monsters everywhere. But if we have a body here, which is why we need, we need a body alive with different races, a body alive with different ages, a body alive with different faces, all of the ones that God has called here for such a time as this to unlock what God has for us. A couple years ago, we did a series called um, Everything is Awesome. And this dude here, his name is Emmett. Emmett, I don't know if you can zoom in on Emmett. Emmett's my friend. I love Emmett because Emmett he ran the play. He was the epitome of I don't belong because no one, no one really gave him the time of day. It's Emmett, ah, there he is. So people would move away. But Emmett, was, he was having a field day. He'd always have fun by himself. He'd play, he'd hang out by himself. But Emmett didn't know that he was a master builder. He didn't know that his role was so important, so significant, that he belonged so much that he could start to see things and unlock things with the spirit in the body to, 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 to serve all of mankind. And so what Emmett did was he fell in love with this chick. And so then it started to change everything, which will be next week. We'll get to talk about love, relationships, all of that, you know, Valentine's weekend, which would be really cool, kind of fitting. But what happened and what got, kept getting unlocked in Emmett's life was this. You know, he's playing the soundtrack. Everything is awesome. You know that one? Everything is cool when you're part of the team. Everything is awesome. Um, Why well, I like that? It's hard to be a part of a team, but it's awesome. Why well, I like Emmett? Because he felt like he wasn't significant and important, but finally he realized God put something so big in him, he could be a master builder. What I loved is Emmett, he remembered that he was a part of a team, not just a team to, 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 to just run the nine to five, but a team to unlock all of the great mysteries that God has called him to unlock, to 
carry it liberally, the uh, example for a second. My question is, will you be a part of the team? We're in launch 2.0 season. And what that means is we're going to do one thing well. We're going to get our Sunday gathering ready to get the family and the body connected. It's as simple as that. We're going to get people on the dream team. They can find out what department they fit in because it's in, in one small way, it's a way of that we're saying yes to something bigger than me. I'm saying yes to, it is not about just my body part. It is about the body and I'm going to connect and I'm going to submit and I'm going to be a part of a gathering where Jesus is the head, Jesus is the Lord. We're doing this in Jesus' name and we're trying to make sure every person on the planet knows you belong here. But at the same time, we're showing to the whole planet that there's a new way, there's a new family and we're going to be unified and yet in diversity. And it's going to be so cool, so beautifully, but we got to get out of our comfort zone and be connected. So friend, there is a million reasons to not do the Jesus body. Like that, there's a million reasons to not be in the body. There's a million, but I want to submit one reason to us right now. Love. Love. Love of God and love of each other. That means it's going to be tough at times, but it's worth it. It's worth it. I'd rather be known. I want to be in a place where we have tenured relationships. Yes, we send people and they go places, but at the same time, we, we stay, we lean into the junk and it's uncomfortable and all of that, right? Can't you feel your spirit coming alive saying, oh, connection is better, that we are better together? I want to pray for you right now. Father, I pray for, for not only everyone in the room, I pray for myself, I pray for everyone at home. The lie that says I don't belong. I pray that we know today we are better together. We are connected. And we can start to think again and we're like, oh, I don't wanna be alone, I wanna do this together. And I'm gonna take a step and I'm gonna join the team. I'm gonna be a part of what Jesus is doing at City Life. I don't know how it's gonna play out. I don't know what rhythm I can commit to, but I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna believe today because God is awesome that everything could be awesome when we're connected. God, that I can be a part of something bigger than myself. And that's what first I wanna use with my talents. I wanna say yes today that I am better together with each other. I can't do this alone. I'll never be uh, uh, able to, to pick myself up off the mat all the time. I can't do it. And you're in a safe place with a whole bunch of people that know they can't do it as well. That's what's so cool. I pray for the Emmett inside of us all that would unlock the ability to be a master builder and to see ourselves connected, not separate, and to use our gifts to serve one another, to ultimately build the church up, that no gift is too low, no gift we esteem. What we do together, we all celebrate, and we thank you for that power today. In Jesus Christ's name, we take our, our focus off of our body part, and then we start to look up to the head, and we say, Jesus is holy. He is perfect. He is amazing. He's awesome. I can't believe you let me be a part of the family that is so much bigger than me that you're building. And we thank you for that this Sunday. In Jesus Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Friend, as we close, exclamation point, here's what we're doing. We're going to look up. 
Because when we look at the body, we either think, I don't belong, I'm not like them, or what is it? We get frustrated. But when we look up, we see, wow, there's one connecting us all. This is so cool. I wonder how much more we would agree where we're like, why aren't we looking at how Jesus says? And then what does he say to me? And we'll, 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 when we look at each other, I mean, we'll never fulfill our, our God tank, right? So let's, will you join me as we sing, you are holy, you are worthy, you are done something and worthy of the praise. And it's really good. So this is an exclamation point to today. Join us as we sing. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.